It's time now for the Sports Objective Podcast. No talking heads, just guys who love sports. Here's Dave Richmond. Welcome into the Sports Objective Podcast. I'm Dave Richmond, along with my brother from a different mother, and that would be Kyle from a Grange Barber. How are you, man? Good on, Dave. How are you? Well, I've got a, we're recording this Saturday morning, getting ready for the big game tonight at Temple. Uh, Pirates own the road, so we'll see how they do there. And uh, really proud of Joe Dooley and the staff, as we talk about a lot. But man, Kyle, we got uh, we got Ryan Wallen uh, for from twenty four seven. Now we got him coming up with you and uh, Bubba. Um, that's our great guest for today. And Kyle, there's so much uh, news for our roundtable. Where do you want to start? Uh, well, I think we need to talk about uh, the, the hire of Trip Weaver. Uh, yeah. The former former Pirate uh, defensive coordinator from Western Carolina he had just been promoted, just got that position to be the defensive coordinator there at the FCS level, and uh, now coming back home to coach safeties at East Carolina. And, uh, you know, obviously has Houston, has history with Mike Houston. Uh, he was, uh, I believe, a GA. Uh, up at uh, up at James Madison, right. uh, with Coach Houston, or he may have been he may have been a paid coaching. Uh, yeah, he, he may have been a paid member of the coaching staff at James Madison. But either way, yeah. he coached with Coach Houston at JMU and uh, former Pirate. So good to have Trip come back home. That's a really solid hire to hire a defense coordinator, uh, even at the FCS level, as your safeties coach and bring some youth to the staff. Yeah, I think that uh, Coach Houston, and I go back to this, um, but the very fact of when you look at, I was talking about this to uh, someone yesterday, a Pirate fan, and they were asking me about, you know, people always ask me, how do you feel about this hire? How do you feel about that? And I told them that I feel like that the uh, Trot hire, the Trot not being um, rehired for a defense coordinator. Yeah. And then you have the fact that you have Hanson that had retired January 8th. January 16th, you have Trot, his contract not renewed. I think that hindsight now, having a chance to really let it marinate and think about it, uh, he probably knew he was not going to be re- like, it's not like that decision just happened. Um, so, and then the fact that you have Blake Harrell now as a defensive coordinator, and I really, I'm starting to feel good about, I feel, Ironically, I think I feel better about the defense than I thought I would just a couple weeks ago. I think my concern now would be, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit with the offensive line, but looking at um, Blake Harrell and you look at that staff now, where I was going with this whole point was the very fact of I go back to those two games. I mean, you know, with the Cincinnati game and you go back, especially not only that game, but also how we played at SMU, and they, they had to score 59. I mean, if you, if you have just a few uh, touchdowns you don't well, have, you, you win that game, you know? Yeah, you're, you're talking about a really good offense at SMU and a good offense at Cincinnati. But, I, yeah. you know, as far as uh, whether Trot knew he was going to be retained or not, I, or thought he was going to be retained, I don't know. Uh, I would imagine. I, I think it came as more of a surprise than you may think. But either way, I, I think uh, it, it was clear to me that uh, – Coach Houston kind of had a plan of what he wanted to do. I think he wanted to get younger um, on, on the defensive staff, it looked like to me. Maybe not, you know, I'm not being ageist, but I'm talking about right. he, uh, he some more enthusiasm, more uh, piss and vinegar on that side of the ball, so to speak. Guys, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Blake Harrell comes in, uh, 
defensive coordinator at uh, Kennesaw. Uh, did a great job at Kennesaw the one season he was defensive coordinator there. They already had a real solid defense. Their defensive coordinator is now at, former defensive coordinator is now at Navy. Um, but in his one year at Kennesaw, they had the third best defense in the FPS. So that's pretty solid. And uh, right. and now you bring in Chris Weaver. So uh, the one concern I have with Coach Houston, um, and I, I like these hires, but don't get this wrong. And I love Coach Houston. I fully endorse him. You know, I was in favor of hiring hiring him. Uh, all his coaching ties seem to be because he was at the FCS level for so long. Seem to be at the FCS level. Um, not that there's not good coaches at that level. There certainly are. But right. I know what you're saying. You know, I, I, that is something that concerns me when you look at who the candidates were for the defensive coordinator job. Um, there was only one guy that I'm aware of that was on a current FBS staff that interviewed for the job, and that was uh, Ron Cooper, um, old Louisville coach. He's secondary coach at Arkansas now. Um, and the reason I, you know, his ties to the staff were not just so. I uh, that concerns me going forward a little bit, but I do like these two hires a lot, and uh, I think um, it'll be interesting to see how they do. And I'm really glad to have Trip back home. Uh, I think that um, anytime you can hire guys that were sitting defensive coordinators that could in- <laughs> Ooh, see if I can try that again. You had two sitting defense coordinators at the Division One level, even if they were FCS, and uh, you, you can add two guys of that caliber to your staff. It's a plus. And now the defensive line position, it looks like we're going to move our linebackers coach, uh, Coach Tweet, or Tweet, rather, to, uh, to coach the defensive line uh, from linebackers. Yeah, and I think the best thing is to – I think – at the people say at the end of the day, well, um, it's great that these players are graduating. It's great with the program building the program, but I also think if you coach Houston and you look at that schedule, it's going to be. And you know that I'm you, you and I are probably differ on this um, somewhat. Of the half, you know, I'm always probably projecting more wins than there really are. But if you look at that schedule, man, it's tough this year. So you have year two that you and I are like Mike Houston fans that we're going to give them maybe a little bit more benefit of the doubt. But you look at and then you take the fact of you have five straight losing seasons, potentially six this year. So you could literally have a guy that was a really hot coach come in, and the thing is such an the and I'm being fair to him. I think the program was worse than he even knew about or any of us knew about. Just judging by comments, he's made yeah. things I've heard. Uh, I agree. And so now the problem is he took the – it's like almost you say, I took the damn job thinking that it wasn't as – and it was bad. I didn't know it was as bad. I look at the schedule, and we had two more games we could have won. We could have been 6-6, six six, potentially going to a bowl. We're 4-8, and eight, five straight seasons. I have potentially another losing season. If I don't make some changes now, I love Bob Twat, and I loved uh, Hanson. But those you made the good point of those guys are in their 60s, and they were literally, they have nothing. You made that great point. I hadn't thought about it, but it's true. They had nothing to prove. They have a, a stellar career. They have a, a resume to die for. Tried to have an NFL experience and all that. Hanson has been coaching for, I think, it was 46 years. So it's like 
when you bring these guys in um, with energy, uh, youth, you have uh, a lot of passion, you have Trip Weaver, like you said, East Carolina ties. I'm really excited about it because I feel like now we can – it's a situation now where I think it's a fresh set of eyes. Uh, we've used that a lot in my job this week, a fresh set of eyes. Maybe that's exactly what we need. Uh, it's a fresh set of eyes and a fact that this will be the, what the catalyst for when Ruff used to talk about guys he kicked off the team. He said, I love my the guys, but I love East Carolina more. Well, this is a particular case where Houston, uh, at the very beginning, I was going to say this, we're in a wins and loss business uh, with football or sports or anything. And as much as I love Houston, if, you know, if he had three straight losing seasons, I don't know if he would be here. Um, so I'm not going there. You don't want to all of a sudden, you know, next year, and we'll, we'll talk about it after we come back from our interview, okay. but next year, you know, it's going to be tough in some spots, and you, you want to make sure you, you continue going forward and try to get to 6-6 six six next year. You don't want to have two straight losing seasons, and then year three be on the hot seat. And right. you know, I, I think OC is going to get it done here. I really do, and – I'd be surprised if he doesn't, but I I do think he saw what he had wasn't right. going to work, and he knew changes needed to be made, and he went with guys he was familiar with and uh, got younger. But you want to talk about some basketball? Absolutely. Great point, and we'll get back to that on the other side. And Right now, you and Bubba, I know, had a chance to sit down a couple of days ago with Ryan Wallen as we're getting ready for the big game tonight. Pirates and the Temple Owls, uh, and Ryan's with uh, 24-7 uh, Owls. Let's go to that interview right now. The Pirates will be traveling to Philly to take on the Temple Owls on Saturday evening, 6 o'clock on the CBS Sports Network. And right now, to preview that matchup, we're very excited to welcome back into the show from Owls Daily, Temple's 24-7 site, Ryan Wall. And Ryan, welcome back in. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. We appreciate your time. appreciate you uh, rejoining the show. And as you take a look at this matchup, these are two teams that are really in need of a win. I mean, and I know just looking at Temple, I mean, they started off the year extremely strong, and I know they were 9-3 and and 1-0 and at one point in the conference, but it's really surprised me the way the Owls have dropped seven in their last eight. Yeah, you know, it, it's been – Quite the tale of two seasons for Temple so far, you know. Like you mentioned, they started off really hot this year. Um, started out uh, six and one um, with their only loss coming to Maryland uh, on Thanksgiving Day, and they gave the Terrapins, who were a top five team at that time, you know, all they could handle, and it ended up being a seven point spread because of foul shots at the end. Temple just couldn't close that game, but. You know, it looked very promising, especially with the first-year head coach and Aaron McKee after uh, he was taken over the team from uh, Dumpy, who uh, retired after last year's NCAA tournament, lost to Belmont. Um, but, you know, once conference play hit and uh, teams started, I think, figuring out a little bit what Temple was doing and how to defend them, they started struggling. And, you know, it's been a real offensive struggle here as of late. I think their highest point total over their last eight game was 82 points, and that was a loss to Cincinnati the uh, last Wednesday. So, you know, it, it's been a rough uh, a rough go of it here as of late. And like you mentioned, they're now sitting at 500, uh, losers of seven of eight. So this game against East Carolina really would be a momentum builder 
uh, at any point, you know, despite it being against a team that Temple's dominated in the past and has, has struggled in AAC basketball. Um, you know, this would be a, a monumental win for Temple right now. Ryan, um, like you said, as far as the Owls struggling to shoot the basketball, that's something that we can certainly relate to as the Pirates uh, have really struggled to put it in the basket as well. Um, four out of the last five games has just been um, pretty dismal, um, whether it's inside the arc or beyond the arc, um, to say the least. And you know, really the, the only exception of that was that two-lane game where the the Pirates did pick up about a 20-point win over what what is a much improved Greenway team. I know um, that Tulane was able to uh, to win by things about 14 in in Philly several weeks ago. But um, you know um, the Pirates are coming off that 10-point loss to number 21 Houston on Wednesday night, and I know uh, you guys fell by 15 at UConn. But I want to ask you before we dive into the personnel of this matchup, um, let's take a look at um, just. You mentioned Aaron McKee, obviously Temple legend, you know, first round draft pick by the Blazers back in the mid nineties, uh, after having a heck of a career for um the Temple legend John Chaney. So just talk about his style of play. I mean, is it pretty much what Fran Dunphy was employing the last several years? Yeah, you know, he, he resembles a lot of what Dunphy and Chaney both embodied as head coaches and that's you know, he he wants to play really good defense. Um and I, I think you've seen that from Temple thus far this season. That's probably been one of their better areas of the game. I know I believe they're um, currently sitting at 27th in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. So pretty good up there. But the the offense has been abysmal. And, um, you know, they have gone a little more up-tempo this season as opposed to years past. And I think that's been part of the problem with the offense in terms of them turning the ball over. Um, right now they're averaging 13.2 turnovers a game, and that's the worst in school history uh, dating back to 82-83 when the team started tracking that stat. So I think the up-tempo style of play is causing some some poor decision-making, and it's leading to more turnovers than what we've seen in years past. And, you know, something John Chaney always used to say was when – if you turn the ball over more than 10 times a game, you're going to lose most games. And that's held true for Temple this year. And I know uh, Coach McKee has has really tried to emphasize in cutting down on turnovers. It just hasn't happened yet. And they're still playing pretty wild at times. And I, I think it's become a mental game for most of the players at this point. And you can just see that they're coming out out in a lot of games just really flat on offense and they're, they're digging themselves early double-digit holes and uh, having to claw their way back into games. And you know you're not you're not going to do that when you're not shooting well from two-point range and missing a lot of layups. Uh, last Saturday's game against Penn, there was numerous chances where they just missed point-blank gimme layups, and you, you're just sitting there wondering what what's going on with this team and. You know, they, they really don't have an answer for themselves. And I think Coach McKee is experiencing those growing pains as a head coach because I don't really know if he knows what to do at this point because the team just needs to finish, especially inside the arc, because their three-point shooting up until the last two games has been pretty decent. They're actually shooting a better percentage from three this year than they were last year. So it's just really been from inside the arc that the, and the, the turnover battle that they're really struggling on offense. 
Yeah, this could certainly be one of those games uh, where the first uh, 60 or 65 could win for sure. And, uh, you know, taking a look at the Pirates, illustrating our offensive struggles on last night against Houston. At halftime, we were down, I think it's 11 points. But um, it's amazing that we were that close, given that um, I think outside of Jaden Garner, we only had two players with uh, field goals, and they had one field goal each. Yeah, and, and I think definitely Jaden Gardner is going to be a problem for Temple. You know, he's just a natural scorer. Uh, I think you can see that with him averaging 21 points a game and nine rebounds. Um, but looking down the Pirates roster, you hope that Temple can maybe pull off a win here, given the fact that Gardner's really the only major offensive threat that the Pirates have. Um, you hope that the Temple puts a guy like, you know, Q, uh Quentin Rose or Nate Pierre Louis on him just to defend him, um, get in him, uh, get in his game, and you know just kind of cause some problems for him most of the day. But you know it, it's it's going to be a struggle. Uh, Temple, like I said, they've started off games really flat here lately. Um, they were they had a nine minute scoring drought last Saturday against Penn to start off the game. They were down, I believe it was fourteen or sixteen to nothing nine minutes into the game. So. You know, that's less than ideal for what you want. Um, ECU is a team that's got pretty similar offensive numbers to Temple, just comparing the two. You know, they're just averaging about a point more per game than Temple, uh, shooting a little about a percent more higher than Temple, but their three-point percentage is considerably lower than the Owls. So I'll be interested to see what how Temple attacks them uh, on Saturday. I expect maybe um, – them to maybe have a fire under their butts because reportedly last night my my editor said after the game Aaron McKee held the team in the locker room for about 20 minutes after the game before he even came out uh, for his post game presser. So I assume that conversation was probably not a not an enjoyable one for the team. You mentioned those names, Quentin Rose and Nate Pierre Louis. Uh, let's start with Quentin Rose. I know he's leading you in scoring, uh, 15.4 game, uh, four and a half rebounds, and also three and a half assists. So he does a little bit of everything, and uh, he's he's a pretty well-rounded player. He is, and you know, I, I would say if there's anybody that has at least you know kept that fight and maybe not. I don't want to say regress, but maintained his status as the leader of this team and, you know, not seen a drop off this season. It has been Quint. You know, he's he's been the one trying to control games late, especially when Temple's down big and he's trying to claw back Temple or single handedly claw Temple back into these games. Uh, I know against Penn he scored like I believe it was fourteen or twenty some points in the last two minutes of the game, so you can see he he really wants to win and he's trying to get this team straightened out but it it takes more than just one player to do so but you know he he is having a really good senior season uh like you said 15 and a half a game four and a half and his assist number has really gone up this season compared to his turnovers and i think that's been the area that you really like to see him improve in because he was making some poor decisions in years past and his assist to turnover ratio is about one to one, and he's nearly got that at one and a half, two to one this season, especially earlier in the year. I know it was well over two to one. So that's something you like to see. Um, Nate Pierre Louis is still one of the best on ball defenders in the country in terms of a guard. 
Um, he's just really been struggling as of late finding uh, finding pay dirt, especially inside. Uh, you know, he's he's the guy that likes to beat a guy off the dribble and take him to the hole and try and hit convert that layup, give team give teams momentum, and you know, make him bring that extra defender in so they can kick out for a three. But he has just either gotten blocked or he's just missing some layups that he normally would have been making in years past. So that, that's been one of the things that's been killing them um, this season with his, his offense. But, you know, there are some upsides. Like you said, you're not going to pull him out of the starting lineup because he is one of the better defenders and rebounders. I mean, he leads the team with eight rebounds a game. You don't see too many guards having 8.3 rebounds a game. No, and um, like you mentioned he has struggled of late offensively, but but despite those struggles, he does give the Owls a second player averaging in double figures um, to go along with those 8.3 boards, and he's averaging 11.5 points a game. So outside of those two, um, who are some other guys that Pirate Nation should keep an eye on come Saturday night? Um, I think a guy that you can really – it depends night to night, but I think a guy that could – give the Pirates some problems is uh, their starting uh, five-man, Jake Forrester, who is a, a transfer from Indiana. Um, he got his waiver five games into this or four games into the season. Um, his first start was against Maryland. Uh, he had a really good first half of the season. You know, he had a couple double-digit games, a couple double-double games. Um, he's a guy that exploded a couple weeks ago. I believe it was against either Wichita or Cincinnati, um, you know, he had a really good game. And Aaron McKee said afterwards, you know, that's the guy that they want to build the offense around because statistically he's their best shooter right now. Um, so, but the liability with him is when you pass the ball inside to him, he's either going to make the bucket or he's going to turn it over. He does not have great hands for a big man. And I think that's just a little bit of the inexperience and that fact that he's undersized and playing up against some bigger, quicker big men in the, in this conference. Um, but he is averaging two turnovers a game, so that that is a problem. And I believe there's a stat that Temple's big men this year have only uh, like four or five assists to 60-some turnovers already this season. And opposed to last year, they had 30 assists with 55 turnovers. So the big man has definitely been an issue for Temple, that number five hole. Um, Forrester provides the best scoring and rebounding threat for them. So that's why he's starting. But other than that, you know, um, he, he can create problems. He's very good uh, once in transition. He's very good at rebounding. Like I said, if he's in a groove, he, he can have a really good game. And Alani Moore, same way. He's a senior point guard. Um, he's a three shooter. He doesn't do a whole lot of scoring. He's not a, a look to score type of guy, but he, he's a distributor and he's good at running the offense. Um, a guy I wish would be playing. I'm not sure if he will be. Uh, status is still unconfirmed for him. He may be done for the year, but it's uh, Dre Perry. He was their best three-point shooter um, up until he suffered a toe injury against SMU a couple weeks ago, and he had been shooting 43.5% from three, and, you know, that that was a real boost off the bench for the Owls. Um, he, he was a guy that was really improving, and you could see the strides he was making in his game this year, and Unfortunately, you know, a toe injury has sidelined him now for three straight games, and you hope to see him back, but it, it doesn't sound like there's too much news on him, which no news typically isn't very good news.
this certainly has the makings of a low-scoring competitive game. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out on Saturday night in Philly. Um, as the, as the Pirates nine and twelve, three and five in the league, and also Temple ten and ten, two and six in the league, uh, really need this one to stay in the the middle part of those uh, AAC standings. Um, now, Ryan, if we can, let's shift gears a little bit and transition to a little football talk. This is the first time you've obviously been on the podcast since. Um, the football season concluded, and um, first year of Rod Carey after after taking over for uh, Jeff Collins, eight and five. Um, but unfortunately, the Owls suffered a 55-13 loss in North Carolina in the Military Bowl. So after year one of Rod Carey, um, how are fans feeling there in Philly? I would like to say optimistic, but I, I think a lot of fans are still upset that Temple has, despite their success over the last five, six seasons that they have failed to perform in the postseason and in bowl games, you know, aside from that one AAC championship that they, they took from Navy back in 2016. But, you know, that that was this is the second straight year now that Temple has not shown up for a bowl game, and they've got absolutely throttled by an ACC team that arguably is the middle of the pack. And, you know, in a league where – the Americans trying to push to be a power six conference and say, you know, they're better than the ACC or the Pac-12, you know, when when you have games like that and middle of the tier ACC teams are pounding, you know, a, a good Temple team that doesn't look too good. But, you know, um, fans are saying, you know, they're they're a little skeptical and I can understand the skepticism, but I also believe that, you know, he still had eight wins, which is the second most for a first-year head coach in Temple history. I believe Kerry has done a really good job in transitioning and, you know, making these players believe that he's going to be here for more than two seasons. And, uh, you know, I, I think you've seen that he's done a really good job in recruiting as well. You know, he currently has a average player rating on 247 of a .822, which is the highest in Temple history um you know despite it ranking 89th in the country and ninth in the conference that that's really good they flipped a kid who was committed to memphis um on during that early signing period who picked up an offer from georgia the day before signing day opened and you know they actually flipped him to temple so beating out memphis and georgia just shows you know that that i think this coaching staff knows what they're doing in terms of recruiting and you know we hope we see that on the field now, um, and, but Temple is still short at some positions, and there are some question marks heading into next year in terms of who are going to be some of your safeties, who are going to be your defensive ends after Quincy Roche left, Matt Hennessy left early for the draft, and Kenny Yaboa left for Ole Miss. So, you know, you have some big key players on Temple's team from this year that won't be there next year. So, I think the fans are a little skeptical about why these players left. I understand why they left, but, you know, a lot of players, a lot of fans see major players leaving, and they're like, oh, well, something's wrong with the coaching staff. They're pushing these kids out the door. I don't think that's the case, but that's how the fans are feeling right now up in Philly. Now, uh, taking a look at next year's schedule, and uh, I know this year was very unique in that the Owls had Georgia Tech on the on the docket with Jeff Collins having taken that job, and they were able to, they were able to garner a victory in that matchup. I couldn't help but uh, be amazed when I checked out next year's schedule and saw that uh, 
the Owls will be venturing down to Coral Gables um, to take to take on uh, the Hurricanes. So um, just talk a little bit about uh, just how odd that is that that worked out that way. <laughs> it is very odd, coinc- uncoincidentally enough, that it's going to be against their head coach that was there for 17, 18 days and their former strength coach, but now uh, Quincy Roche as well, who decided to – Use his final year of eligibility as a grad transfer at the University of Miami, and him joining Gregory Rousseau, you know, they're going to arguably be one of, if not the top, defensive and pass rushing duos in the in the nation. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Um, you know, I, I think some players are obviously going to remember that this is the coach that left them after 17 days, and and uh, you know that their former uh, teammate is now on the other side of the ball, and he's the reigning AAC Defensive Player year of the Year. So, you know, Temple's obviously going to look to that as some retribution, especially with a team that like Miami, who has been struggling, and they're they may be a little bit on life support right now, considering some of the fans down there think that the world's falling too, so or the sky is falling. So, um, but it will be an interesting matchup, especially now that. Miami has De'Aaron King at quarterback. You assume that he's probably going to be the starter from day one down there. Um, that makes it a considerably harder matchup. Uh, once I saw that they were going to be getting him, you know, that, that game, to me, in my eyes, took uh, became a lot less winnable because of the type of player King is. Um, but, you know, they still have holes. They still don't have an offensive line. So that's where Temple probably will have the advantages in the trenches. And hopefully, you know, they are they have enough that they'll be able to contain King like they did in their last meeting and hopefully come away with a win uh, to open the season against an ACC team and, you know, kill this, kill this curse against them against ACC teams. And not only do you have De'Aaron King um, transferring in from Houston at quarterback, you have – a new offensive coordinator coming over from the American as well, and Rhett Lashley um, leaving Sonny Dykes' SMU staff uh, to, to join Manny Diaz there in Coral Gables. Correct, and, you know, Temple's game against SMU this year was one of their worst games on the, on the slate. You know, their, their defense just had no answers for that SMU offense, and, you know, Shane Bouchelle is a very good quarterback. I would say, you know, venture to say he is a better passing quarterback than what Derek King is, but with Derek King, you definitely have mobility, and with Rhett Lashley's clever offensive mind and, you know, him being an up-and-coming coach, um, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what he can do with a player like King, uh, of King's caliber in his offense, you know, I I assume they're going to be moving him around a lot, especially with King being fully healthy now. No doubt about it. And, um, Ryan, we certainly appreciate the time. It's been great catching up. And I know here in about three and a half weeks, um, the Owls will be venturing down to Greenville to take on the Pirates again at Minji's. So um, we'll catch up with you again prior to that one. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Good luck to Coach Dooley and staff as they're on the road in Philly. Hey, I love Rocky. I love the, I'm one of those that love cheesesteaks, and I love the city of brotherly love. So, I wish we could be at the game tonight hanging out, uh, Kyle. Um, but anyway, the uh, – the I feel the fan of cheesesteaks and Rocky, but uh, I'll be pulling for the Pirates. Um, no, no, yeah. no. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, I'm I, saying I, being I, at that I, game, I, you and I hanging out and having a good oh, time. Yeah. 
Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, run up the steps and then eat a cheesecake, not in the other <laughs> so, Hey, I, I wouldn't say I wanted to apologize to Ryan Wallen and, and uh, Bubba. Uh, Bubba did all that interview. Uh, we did that interview about 10, 15 at night, and I laid down on the couch, laid down on the couch. Not that on the couch, Dave. I laid down on the couch. I fell asleep. I don't know that I said one word during that interview. Um, I don't remember. Uh, you, have, you have to go back and listen, and I hope you, nobody heard me snoring, but I fell asleep during that interview. Um, I, as you know, Dave, as I said in the past, doing the interviews at night, me laying down is not a good idea. And uh, I've done it now a couple times and fallen asleep. And like I said, I, I don't even remember if I talked during the damn interview. I, uh, I apologize if anybody heard me snoring. All right. Well, that's become a staple. It's got to happen a few times a year. But yeah, exactly. you, you work. You, the great thing that people know about us is that this is a, definitely a, a strong passion for us to do the show, and we all have full time jobs and families and everything. So I got I got issues with 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 uh, my sleep schedule. You know, I got a bad habit of uh, I got a bad habit of drinking coffee at night, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll doze off like that, and then drink coffee, and then I'm up until. Uh, one o'clock in the morning and then get up at six, six thirty to go to work. And I, uh, you would think I'd, I'd learn to stand that that's not a good, uh, a good habit, but uh, it doesn't seem to get through my head. Well, uh, there's always, we're work in progress and, uh, certainly you can, uh, you can change. You can just don't drink after a certain time. So yeah, no <laughs> um, we'll, let's hey, talk well, about, yeah, we'll talk about the O line. Um, yeah. Matt Morgan decided he don't want to play uh, Division One football anymore, and good luck to Matt and all his future endeavors. It's an interesting decision on his part, but you never know what's going through a guy or how a guy feels physically. But uh, he, he decided he don't want to play football anymore. And then uh, you had uh, oh god, Dave, help me out. I'm terrible with names. The kid got busted for the possession charges. Was it Montana? Um, Let's all give the wrong Cortez, name. Uh, Cortez Herring. Yeah, Cortez Herring. Yes. So. Uh, he, uh, you know, got in a little trouble there. Um, I think hopefully he'll be reinstated. I mean, I, yeah. I, he had given no trouble up until now. Um, it was marijuana. And it, that's a whole different subject for a different time, how I feel about that. But uh, I, hopefully he'll be uh, reinstated. But then you got um, – You just told me something right before we started. Yeah, now you've got me. I was having a good day, and you ruined my Saturday. No, I'm kidding. And Thursday. Um I, uh, he's got some concussion issues and, uh, uh not serious. I'm saying the same wrong. Spelsy. Spelsy, thank you. Um, I'm terrible with names if y'all haven't figured this out yet. Spelsy's got some concussion issues. Um, it's, you know, rumored he may not get cleared to play. I, I don't, I hope that's not true. Um, Me too. But you Man. do not want the kid going out there and putting himself in any kind of danger. No, 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 no. Uh, but hopefully he'll get cleared and he'll be ready to go. And uh, if if you get both those guys back, if if those charges don't lead to to the kid getting kicked off the team and especially gets cleared to play, uh, then you, you know we still have some holes to fill, but it's a little better. Uh, <laughs> if we were to lose all both of them plus Matt Morgan, my goodness, I, I think we really need to look at the uh, grad transfer portal for some O linemen. And um, so we're after replacing guys. Yeah. So we need to take some grad transfers. Uh, from the uh, from the portal for the offensive line um, to create some depth and make sure we can fill those spots. And uh, man, I'm telling you, I, I, all the pieces are there on offense. It would be a shame if we weren't able to put together a competitive offensive line 
um, because all the other pieces are there on that side of the ball to have a good offense this coming year. Uh, receiver, quarterback, running backs. Um, and then speaking of receivers and grad transfers, uh, Dave, I don't want to give details. Like you, everybody that's listening, if you don't have a subscription to 24-7 Sports, go join Hoist the Colors. And uh, there's some news over there about a potential uh, grad transfer wide receiver from a school that traditionally competes for national championships. Uh, the kids have some playing time during his career there. Uh, that may be coming our way. I don't want to give the details because uh, it is a goofy yeah. out of the area for Igo. But he's an Eastern North Carolina kid, and uh, he's a kid that plays for a national championship contender. Yeah, for me, I'm looking at when you were talking about offensive line with John Spelsey. Unfortunately, his career has been um, hurt a lot with his injuries, and uh, you don't want a kid to be hurt. And I'll tell you what, um, that's what's amazing about a season is that one of the storylines now for the football program will be, uh, we knew it was going to be a small issue. I think it's become a bigger issue and it may be what what's great about um, we're talking now in February, hard to believe February yeah. 1st, that February is a long time before it's, it's not like uh, where I'm not concerned. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying, thank God this is not right before the season starts. Yeah, and, and if you get Cortez Herring back and you and you get Spelsy gets cleared, then suddenly the problem's not as big. Though so you gotta wonder if Spelsy gets clear if, if he's just if he's one hit away from that's it, he's done. Um so we definitely gotta get some grad transfers. Um, yeah. I mean I, I really I know a lot of people say they need to be the right fit. I think at this point for the O line, I think we're just gonna have to take a chance what's out there. It's, yeah, it's become a living, that, breathing, walking <laughs> grad transfer. Uh, you know, the Division One level offensive lineman. If you want a chance to play, I mean, I, mean, I you just got to roll the dice and take a few of them um, and see what happens. And uh, yeah, speaking well, of what's going to happen, uh, Dave, uh, as we talked about earlier, we got Temple tonight. Uh, you, you think the Pirates can? Uh, the win at Philly, Temple's not what they normally are. They're struggling this year. Yeah, that's um, the first-year head coach, and I, that's one one thing that I'm thinking about um, is watching this game tonight. I'm very excited. Uh, you know one thing that you and I were in Bubba were talking about? We started from the time, it's hard to believe, but we're a month away, my friend. You've been with me every step of the way, so um, not only I want to appreciate you and Bubba for sticking by me personally and professionally, but it's hard to believe that we're one month away from two years doing this podcast. I can't believe it. Um, but it, having said that, I really feel like with Joe Dooley, isn't it fun now with, it was just, it got down to where it was just when you and I first started <laughs> that it was like basically baseball was all we had. And um, as far as the big three sports are concerned. And then now it's actually fun to watch basketball games where uh, before I just kind of had it in the background and just praying that we could somehow, can we win this game? And then you're like, all right, we lost by 30. We lost by 20. Yeah, um, and now definitely improving. It, it is. Dooley. I would expect next year if Dooley can keep these guys together. Look, we need some guys that can shoot more consistently. I, I don't know what's going on in the game of basketball. You brought it up with Mike Steele with, uh, you know, not just East Carolina, but it's a problem in a lot of places where, you, people either are dunking the ball or shooting threes. Nobody knows how to do, uh, you know, right. like a like a jump shot anymore. It, it's, 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 it's it's throw up three, throw up three, throw up three. And at times, if you if you have a huge talent disadvantage, that's not a bad strategy. But we're more talented now. Uh, right. know, we should be living and dying by the three ball every night. And uh, 
Hopefully tonight against Temple, that won't be the case. But uh, we're definitely a lot better. If Dooley can keep this team together, you would think next year during the non-conference we'll be able to pick up some wins and maybe once we get into conference play, have a chance to compete for some postseason play. Yeah, I think that you're. I think the very fact of uh, you, when you, I think the Pirate Nation. What's what I'm really happy about and what I'm enthusiastic about is people always ask me, "Why did you choose East Carolina? Why did you, you know, you were a fan of East Carolina?" I said I was just amazed by the passionate fan base all the way back in the '80s, and you have like now with a situation with Dooley, you have a situation where there people are seeing there's progress, and so they're willing to support a guy that's they know that he's working his tail off and his staff and the people behind the scenes working their tails off and then you have a situation where he's you can see that there's improvement on the you know the court and yeah we lost by nine on on uh, Wednesday night to Houston yeah, my, yeah. that Houston team would have beaten us last year or by year 30 before, and, then, and, by they <laughs> and they did and they did uh, so it's not that moral victories. I'm just saying that, like, with Houston, the same thing with football, we had to go from being one of the biggest jokes of the FBS, which it hurts me to say, to the next step is competitive and we can steal some games. Like, that's the, going back to Cincinnati and SMU. We were right there in those games and had the shot. And But you've talked about it. It's true. The basketball and football are also similar, and these guys, I think, are finally in basketball they're finally starting to learn how to win games. They're starting to – they used to – another thing they would do is they would panic. And, you know, a team – basketball is a game of runs, you know, a 6-0 run, 8-0 run, whatever. And the team last year, once they were behind, they were behind. It's good to see this team where they may be behind, but they don't give up. The hustling is there. I think it's uh, – Dewey's done a nice job of marrying the Lemonu guys. You look at those freshmen, Kyle, man – Coleman's starting to come around. You know, we haven't had uh, Lusters out, but you have uh, Coleman, the seven-footer. He's he's got a lot of potential. He's got a lot of potential. It's not just a seven-foot guy there. If you you look at his body, like uh, Mike Steele was talking about, if you can get him to start, um, I think his footwork. There's certain things with him that is a little awkward, but his he's got a lot of upside there. And those other freshman men are tremendous. And then. You look at the those JUCOs are coming in. We we may be uh, we may be looking at a team that um, can finish. I really believe by next year we'll be in the middle of the pack of the American. And I, I'm I, when it comes to basketball, I usually <laughs> I usually don't say that. Um, and football is the same way. I really believe that going back to what we were talking about earlier with uh, Houston is the fact that we're we're looking at a situation where. You don't want your three to be do or die, um, but I really believe that um, we've got to show improvement. And uh, when Coach talks about getting better every single day, same thing with Cliff Godwin, all the coaches, um, that very fact of if you can find some way. Uh, I want to be hanging out with Kyle and Bubba at some bowl coming up into this year. I really, really do. Yeah, and, and if you don't make it to a bowl, you got to feel like that you're definitely going to the third year. You know, you, yeah. you, you definitely don't want to say we're not going to go to a bowl in year two, but if we don't, you need to win five games and you need to feel like, all right, next year we're, we're not only going to go to a bowl, we're going to win seven or eight games. Right. So, I mean, it's, it, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I'm hoping next year, though, you know, long time between now and September. 
but uh, it really is. I uh, want to mention too, by the way, before we, uh, Kyle, we've got uh, so legendary uh, tennis coach Tom Morris is retiring. Uh, we have we found that out a couple of days ago. So want to give him a shout out. Maybe we can get him on the program and uh, definitely thank him for all his time at East Carolina. And that's the thing is, there's a lot of that's uh, going back to going back to what we're talking about. The very fact uh, of any consistency. Dooley, I think, will be here a good while. Uh, hopefully, Houston will. Um, but we definitely know with Houston, um, he'll leave the program uh, better than he found it. And based on results, if you look in the – I don't live in the past, but if you live, look at the past, uh, his resume, every single one of the programs, even going back to Reynolds, like his very beginning coaching at high school level, all those programs are thriving still yeah. after all these years. I, I, I got a feeling Mike Houston, as we talk about year three, and I got a feeling at the end of the day, Mike Houston will be leaving here taking another job, not because he's getting fired. Yeah, and that, that you know, what we're going to, um, but like I said, even if we, if that's, uh, that's way ahead of ourselves, but if, if that does happen, that means most likely if he's not a part, not a coach, at ECU, that means it's because he's move, uh, moving on up as far as taking uh, a real, maybe, an, I don't know, a huge job or whatever, but not knocking our program. No, he's getting more money, Dave. He's getting more money. That, that's what it yeah. all comes down to. That's what it all comes down to. It's not saying a better job or a bigger job. It's, it's, more, right. money. it's more money. Right, because I think that I'm biased, but I think East Carolina is a great job. So. Sure. <laughs> sure. But, you know, um, um, four million is more than one million. So. Yeah, and by the way, folks, we'll tease it a little bit more. We actually have a big promotion we're going to be doing this month, uh, I believe, and uh, we'll be talking about that. But lots of great things happening on the podcast. Uh, 23 Jungle Tales, man. Kyle, that has been blowing. Let me do my Kyle. Blowing up. It's been blowing yeah, up for sure. Big, uh, the, the, the special for uh, on SoundCloud only. Um, you can find it on our Facebook page. Uh, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Oh, no, you can't find it anywhere you listen to the podcast. It's only on SoundCloud. <laughs> Right. Uh, but we're, we're having 23 Jungle Tales uh, where we're talking to uh, ET baseball players from the past and, uh, you know, getting their perspective on their careers in East Carolina as we get ready for baseball season. Very excited about that baseball season. I got my um, – I was going to tell you guys off the air, but I got my season tickets yesterday. Very cool. This is this is why I love the baseball program. I love all of them. But um, something really interesting, I want to get your opinion on this. I'm throwing you on the – I forgot to ask you ahead of time. No, nothing big, or I would have. Uh, the season tickets now are literally like where it's like a debit card. It's not the traditional um, book of tickets like we used to get. So um, really nice. Didn't know about that. Uh, that was a surprise. I, I got it last night. We're going to be going to an all-sports or a trial thing for baseball. That'll be interesting to see. So you get one card, and that's your ticket for the entire season? Yes, sir. And they, I guess they'll just swipe it or... I was just going to get your thoughts on that, and I didn't mean to um, you on the spot. It's good. Uh, I, I like it. Um, as long as replacements aren't hard to come by, if uh, you lose yours, uh, right. it's easy to get a replacement. Um, uh, it's not a bad idea. So that was, uh, uh, we got there, there is some people that like to collect uh, tickets, though. Well, that's uh, where you, you read my mind. You read my mind. Yeah. Appreciate you very much. Appreciate Ryan Wallen very much. Bubba Rosenbaum. Kyle from LaGrange Barber, appreciate you very much. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Join us next time as the guys will be objective, and the objective is sports.